I just love hosting people and, and making pe people feel comfortable uh, within a space. We're welcoming people basically into our homes and, and if they're not feeling comfortable, then yeah, there's something wrong there. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. What is it about the lifestyle afforded to those in the hospitality industry? Sure, there's the long, unsocial hours of work, but a connection to people and food, the energy and unpredictability of hospitality draw people in that are looking for a sense of adventure. How do you maintain that initial spark that drew you in? Sarah Crowley is the co-owner and restaurant manager of Union Bank in Orange. Sarah, how are you? I'm really good, and yourself, Huck? I'm great. Um, you're out there in Orange, um, back where you grew up. Is Orange quite different to when you grew up? Um, absolutely. So growing up, there wasn't a whole lot going on in Orange, to be honest. Um, you know, small town, that kind of small town mentality of uh, you went to school, uh, you hang out with your friends, but there really wasn't anything else in terms of um, – yeah, what was going on, you know, our, our Friday, Friday nights with the local Chinese um, in town that we'd just take home. And yeah, it was more, um, yeah, it was definitely a lot quieter back then growing up. Give us a picture of uh, Orange at the moment. Um, what, what excites you about what's going on there? The food scene in Orange has absolutely just taken off probably in the last uh, three or four years. Um, so there's a lot of young people moving to Orange. So after COVID, I think people really realised how close Orange was to, to Sydney. Um, and a lot of people did make the move. Uh, there's definitely more people out from the hospital um, coming into Orange and um, yeah, there's a lot more going on. So people have uh, been drawn to Orange and realised that, you know, it is has got a lot of draw cards, um, food and wine, especially at the moment, um, is yeah, really kicking off. You've got Union Bank uh, there uh, in Orange that you've had for a couple of years now. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, so uh, we moved back here four years ago and we opened the restaurant uh, six months prior to COVID, obviously not knowing that that was all going to happen. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a, a rude shock. But um, I think in hindsight, uh, you know, Dom and I moving back to Orange, we were quite young, you know, 26, opening a restaurant a bit of ego involved and, um, you know, a little bit of uh, ignorance is bliss at the time. Uh, we just went, you know, all guns blazing and and didn't really think too much about the structure um, and, you know, COVID kind of provided that opportunity for us to take a step back after six months start opening a restaurant. You know, you, you run down, you're tired, you're not really seeing straight and um, we really were forced to step back and, and realise, you know, we weren't, you know, maybe doing, um, you know, what we truly loved. We were kind of just doing what we thought was expected of us. And, you know, uh, the UB, the building itself, itself has a lot of um, history and character and um, has had many past lives. So we had to really kind of step back and, and take a moment and say, okay, what do we really want to do with this venue and where do we want to see it go and what would what would we want if we were coming to the UB? And, and that really was a turning point for us 
uh, reopening after COVID and just um, bringing back, you know, I love the, the service side of things and we have some amazing regulars and um, people that come come every week or, you know, people that visit from Sydney and, and it's their go-to and, and that's just what we love is, you know, community and, and making sure everybody has the best experience possible. What sort of things were you able to implement and, um, you know, you had the, you afforded the time to change the structure and look at the operations. Um, how different is it now? What, what have you implemented? We changed the menu completely. So uh, the Union Bank is a very large building. It has uh, multiple spaces across the venue. So it was quite hard to really navigate what to do where. Um, so we have quite a small kitchen to, to be able to facilitate the whole venue. So we had a casual menu and a, and a formal menu, which was in the schoolhouse restaurant. Um, we changed that completely and we just, um, went with one menu across the whole entire venue. Um, and that seemed to really help us focus on, on our food, the quality of the food. Um, and also, you know, with two menus comes a lot more, um, having to, you know, learn so much more about the menu. And, and so for the staff, it was really an opportunity for them to, um, hone in on their skill set and, and really learn about the menu and be able to sell the menu. And yeah, it just kind of created a more authentic experience in the end. What's the response been like from, from customers with this sort of more refined model? Really good. I mean, we, I think the two menus confused people at the beginning. Why can't I have that outside or why can't I have that inside? And, and we got that, um, but we tried to really stick to our guns. So um, the way we've flipped it on its head is, you know, you book into the restaurant, it's a premium experience. It's the same food. Um, but the offering is, you know, you can come in, you can walk in off the street into the beautiful courtyard when it's not seven degrees, which it currently is right now in Orange. Um, and you can, you know, that's where we really prioritise our, our, you know, special occasions and, you know, um, we've got private dining spaces as well um, with that same menu, um, the shared style concept. And it has really, because I think we've then believed in that menu and we really trust it. And I think it makes it a lot easier to be able to sell something when you truly believe in it yourself um, at the end of the day. And I think that was kind of, yeah, what it came down to. I want to explore a little bit more about what you're doing there at Union Bank shortly, but you grew up in Orange. Take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your life? Um, definitely a huge role. Uh, my, my parents, they're extremely sociable people. Uh, they love you know, catching up with their friends on the weekends, going to barbecues. Um, and my mum played a really integral role in, you know, hosting people. Um, my dad's a wine lover. My mum, you know, cooks incredible food. So we were never, you know, there was never a moment of kind of, you know, just fend for yourselves. We really had a, a kind of rich um, upbringing in terms of um, family and friends. It was always the most integral part of growing up and, they really kind of showed me that in terms of having people over and, you know, you're a host at the end of the day. And um, if you're welcoming people into your home, you know, you're putting on a spread and you're, you know, offering beautiful food. And um, yeah, I really got, got, um, I was really painted in a really great way growing up. Is there any sort of dishes of your mother's that you look back at fondly from when you grew up that you can share? Yeah, definitely. Um, she she makes a, a famous lasagna um, still to this day, which uh, 
uh, our friends and family, uh, you know, all just crave it. And she, she sometimes even packs it up and sends it uh, down to my sisters in Sydney. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely um, something that's, you know, um, really precious in my, you know, my heart and my head because even when I'm feeling a little bit, you know, um, a little bit down, she'll, she'll whip out the lasagna and drop it off home. And yeah, it's kind of really, really feels just comfortable. And yeah, it's a, a fond memory growing up and even down now. Taking over the Union Bank was what drew you back to Orange. But tell us about sort of when you decided to leave and, you know, the reasons behind it and what you did. You know, growing up in Orange, it was great. And then you kind of hit your teenage years and, you know, you think you're invincible and you just, you know, you. I almost outgrew Orange in a way and um, couldn't leave quick enough, to be honest. Um, and I was on the first kind of flight out of here when I turned 18. Um, I did try and convince my parents that I could travel solo, solo to South America, but they weren't quite uh, quite convinced that that was the right thing for an 18-year-old female to do at that stage. And, you know, I, I resented them a little bit for it, but uh, in hindsight, I think uh, <laughs> they were right. Um, but I did, I did take on uh, Canada, America and Europe for a year on my own, um, which... Yeah, <laughs> which um, was amazing. I mean, I always was a really independent person um, my whole life, but uh, that really kind of um, drew me back to reality of, you know, how hard life can really be, especially overseas on your own. And um, my dad being an accountant, he always uh, convinced me that having a credit card was never a good idea. So I, I went over just with... Um, my bank card and there was a moment in in Italy and I was in uh, Positano and I was trying to get back to, to Naples and I um, my bank card wouldn't work. So I was in the middle of Italy on my own as an 18-year-old girl and um, wondering how the hell I uh, get past this moment in life. And um, I called my parents in a panic and just said, you know, uh, having issues with my with my card and you know, they were trying to trying to figure out a, a way to get around it and there was this gentleman, I was in a hostel at the moment and at that time and he just came over to me, he's like, I, I didn't mean to pry and I just I just heard your situation and I'd really like to help you. And I just said, no, 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 like I'll, I'll figure this out, I'll, I'll, I'll make it work and, and I was pretty distraught at that point and he, he just said, put yourself in my shoes if you were ever in this situation, would you help me? And I said, absolutely. And he said, well, I'm not letting you leave until you let me help you. <laughs> so, he, so he paid for my uh, bus ticket back to Naples so I could find a, a proper bank and uh, was sorted. And uh, Yeah, I know. And I just, I was in such a, a fluster that I never, never got the man's name. I just regret that to this day I just want to thank him somehow yeah <laughs> but it just goes to show that you know things come full circle and uh, you know I think it makes me want to want to you know go above and beyond because of those those precious moments and you know you never know you know what's going to happen or who's going to yeah come along and help you so yeah <laughs> I, know, I know you were just 18 and you had a limited budget but do you have any food stories from this sort of year-long adventure that you went on around the globe yeah so i um, in canada i met a lot of um swedes and germans and they um humbly welcomed me uh back to sweden for swedish midsummer 
Wow. I know. Yeah. So um, we one of one of them had a um, a beautiful home on the on the lake, and um, because Swedish midsummer, the you know the sun never goes down, so you just feel you like you know you're partying partying twenty four seven. But the the food and you know I think it was you know back back then I I guess I didn't extremely you know. I mean, I didn't appreciate food as much as I do now. Um, once I returned to to um, to Sydney, but definitely the experiences and and the the welcoming of people into their homes and for them to welcome you know offer you um, the food and the wine and and just I think that that hospital you know hospitality is just goes such a long way and they're some of my fondest memories. Um, yeah. Where did you get your start in hospitality and what was it like? Yeah, so I um, <laughs> I ran out of money and I uh, came back to Sydney and crashed with my sister um, in Camperdown and she, uh, she, yeah, she got sick of me uh, mooching off her. So she uh, literally dragged me into the car and said, you need to get a job. And like I said, what felt like every pub in Sydney, um, she drove me to and, you know, got a few knockbacks and my... Uh, my resume was about five pages long and I finally go into this pub or, uh, you know, a uh, venue and this lady greets me and, you know, she's got tattoos and, you know, beautiful hair and glasses. And I was extremely intimidated by her. Um, her name's Elise and she just greeted me and I handed my resume and she said, well, first of all, you're applying for a, for a pub job, not a, you know, not a, um, you know, applying to be a doctor. <laughs> so, you know, get, get your resume down to one page. Um, so I did, and I came back in and, and handed over her, my resume to her and, um, she gave me a trial shift and I felt like everything went really well. And then, um, I didn't hear anything back and my sister forced me to go back in and follow up on this job. Um, which I was absolutely mortified by. I said, I can't do that. Um, and she said, you have to because you need a job. So I went back in and the look on Elisa's face was, uh, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget her, her face. And uh, she called me a couple of days later and she said, you know, the only reason I'm giving you this job is because how persistent you are. And I really like that about somebody, so uh, about people. So I, um, I got the job and uh, met some incredible people there working at a loco in Surrey Hills um, when it was really kind of, you know, kicking off and, you know, there was lines out the door and I really got thrown in the deep end, but I uh, was working with some really cool people, people shaking um, plenty of margaritas. Um. <laughs> El Loco was like super busy. They took over the Excelsior Hotel, a part of the Maryvale group. Um, but do you have any stories of kind of what you took from your time there? How to hustle. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> It was very busy and I was extremely intimidated. Um, I hadn't had much interaction with people in that environment before. Um, you know, you know, the, once you've had a couple of margaritas, you get quite boisterous and, um, people, you know, can react in different ways once they've had a, a few drinks. So I really, um, had a few people there that were really integral in, teaching me how to, how to, um, 
react in or not react in those situations. Um, I'm quite an empathetic person and I, I, I can um, get upset quite easily, but they taught me that, you know, you're there, you, you're there to, you know, create a good experience for these people and, you know, that there's points that, you know, that people can't move past but how to really um, – tackle those situations um and move move very quickly um you know um yeah there was there was a few women there as well that really took me under their wing and um showed me the ropes and and um yeah i'm still friends with um them to this day so yeah how did you uh, land a job at rockpool bar and grill you spent a fair bit of time there how did that come about yeah so i met um uh, a, a gentleman called uh, MC. I'm sure you you know him. He uh, owns PS40 and is an incredible guy. And I had a short stint with him. Um, we opened the Cliff Dive as as a group after I moved on from uh, Maryvale. And we yeah we met there and and really hit it off. He uh, really shaped my my cocktail skills and uh, showed me that, you know, a cocktail is not just something that you throw together. It really is, you know, a form of art. And if you don't get it right, you know, it's just totally off. So he really made me appreciate cocktails and and the work and the effort that goes into that. And um, with Cliff Dive, there was obviously very late hours and I just didn't, I couldn't do that anymore. So I um, applied for a job at Rockpool and luckily he was uh, my reference <laughs> uh, and gave me a glowing, glowing reference and um, landed a, a um, trial there. I was so nervous that I, I recorded every cocktail spec that um, Ryan, the bar manager at the time, <laughs> sent me and I uh, listened to them over repeat uh, for my trial shift, which I think I know, and I've I've never I you know I'm quite a, a you know erratic person, and I don't know why, but I just was really really invested in this trial, and um, yeah, obviously um, you know got the gig because I'd uh, yeah I'd uh, shown that I've memorized every cocktail that they had on their list off by heart. Um, so yeah, Ryan was pretty impressed at that time because he did you know after. I'd been there for a while, you know, you realise that people don't even show up for trials sometimes. And so I think just the fact that I, that I cared that much and, and really wanted this gig, um, yeah, proved, proved itself. <laughs> what was it like working at Rockpool compared to the Maryvale group? What, what did you take in that period of time? Definitely a more refined um, structure. Um, you know, both... Both companies do really look after their staff, but Rockpool kind of took it uh, to that whole next level. Um, so working there when, you know, under Neil and, you know, how passionate he is about food and, and hospitality uh, really did funnel down to everybody. And you could really see that, that everybody that there at that time really cared about their jobs um, and, it was just, it was like a, you know, a perfect machine, just, just all ticked over. Everybody knew their jobs and, and you could really tell that that was from, you know, heavy preparation and, you know, all the formalities of, you know, leading up to each service and, and the briefings and everything was really formalized, but it was never forgetting that at the end of the day, you know, 
we're here to serve the customer and give them the experience that they deserve because, you know, it's one of the most beautiful dining rooms I've ever been into and, and yeah, they are there for, you know, special occasions or, um, and, and they really showed that and, and taught that. You um, worked at one of Sydney's most important restaurants, uh, Rockpool Bar and Grill, and moved to another of Sydney's most important restaurants, Pillow at Freshwater with Marilyn Giovanni. And, um, how different was that? Very different. Um, just in terms of going to a, a large restaurant um, where there was so many people involved to going to a small family run business, but still as much, you know, care and, and same, same philosophies. Um, it was quite hard at the beginning for me because there were people that had worked there for 10 years and they had their places and coming from Rockpool and then almost starting back at the beginning was quite difficult for me. Um, and yeah, I, I really struggled at the beginning to work there. But once, you know, I guess it, like any industry, people come and go. And, and I think at that time they had had quite a few people come and go. Um, but then realizing, oh no, this girl, she, she knows what she's doing and, and yeah, and she can, and, and she's invested. Um, they started to really open up and that's not, you know, Marilyn Giovanni, but you know, they had a really close, close knit crew and, and, um, they did such incredible things there. And once, you know, they, you kind of are led into that circle, you do really see, um, how much they care about the quality of food, the quality of service. And, um, yeah, in such a, a beautiful venue, it was quite hard, um, to not want to just jump in the ocean every day, <laughs> but, um, they just, they, they're just the people that really prove that, you know, you can grow and transform and you know they've been there for however long and they're still just doing incredible things and and the food is just beyond yeah we've had Marilyn and Giovanni on the show before do, do you have any stories of what it's like or moments in time with them what it's like to work with them but yeah they're some of the most passionate people I, I've definitely um come across they're they're hands-on they're there making sure that everything's ticking over. Giovanni is just so passionate about what he does and, and it's just so incredible. Um, and it really does, uh, you know, it really does show that everybody is more motivated when they're around. And um, it's just was really important for me to see Marilyn, you know, now opening a venue myself uh, to see such a strong person in a role of hers um it really was important for me and when I did sit down with her um and tell her what I was doing um she basically told me I was mad and do I know what I'm really getting into <laughs> um yeah she kind of not tried to talk me out of it but I think she realized you know if if you want to stay in Sydney like let's you know let's sit down and talk about you know your role here and I definitely made my mind up, but um, I have reached out to Mar Marilyn um, and told her, you're absolutely right. Um, no one would do this if they knew, you know, what they were getting themselves into. But, you know, it's rewarding at the end of the day. And 
um, it's exhilarating and, and, you know, services are fast and you never know what you're walking into. And, um, but I think that's the beauty of, of hospitality. And I really do think that every person should work in the service industry, especially hospitality, you know, the friendships you make, the people you come across, you know, from every avenue of life. And, and if you're open to that experience, um, it, you know, you can't buy that. <laughs> like, honestly, it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. How did the Union Bank opportunity come about? I, being a creative and can never sit still, uh, started my own jewellery business. So I studied jewellery manufacture whilst I was uh, working at, at Rockpool um, and absolutely loved that. So started my own business and I did my first photo shoot um, with a girl that was that I'd met through school in Orange and she called me and she said, I'm working for this PR company. There might be a good opportunity in Orange um, for Dom. And I said, oh, no, he's in the peak of his career at Rockpool. He won't, he won't move from Sydney. But um, in the back of my mind, we had the lease sitting uh, on our dining room table. And at that point, I was a little bit, you know, being, a, you know, growing up in the country, I was – I was starting, you know, the city life was starting to kind of frustrate me and, and you know, just living in an apartment and, and all the noise was really starting to, to weigh, weigh me down. And I'd kind of, you know, prodded and said, you know, maybe we'll move or I'll move and I'll just come and visit you in Sydney <laughs> to Dom. Um, and he wouldn't have a bar of it. So just slowly, um, yeah, the, um, this girl, Annie, she just said, do you mind just sending me Dom's number? You know, nothing might come out of it, but if it does, and I was like, oh, okay, before I could even tell Dom, this, this lady's calling Dom and then Dom's calling me and going, what the F have you done? <laughs> and I, I said, just calm down, calm down. It's okay. And I just said, you know, what have what have you got to lose by meeting up with these people? Like the the worst thing you're gonna you're gonna say is no, and then you move on and and you, you keep doing what you're doing. Um, and within probably yeah a couple of months, we'd uh, he'd accepted the job and we we were back in Orange and um, I was really loving my jewelry at the time, but um, we were struggling to find someone to to run front of house here at the UB and. I said, you know, I'll jump in until we find the right, the right person. And four years later, here I am. Uh, and yeah, we're taking on a second venue and I, I really wouldn't change it for the world. Was it challenging um, moving back and, um, and sort of uh, reintroducing yourself to the region? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, when you grow up in a small town, everybody knows everybody and and, you know, I was this independent young woman that just wanted to, you know, take over the world and, and coming back to a, a town where people did know you and also starting a venue that did have past lives was extremely difficult and, and it, did, it did take its toll. Um, I had a lot of self-doubt and, and a bit of anxiety around all of that and that did kind of stay with me for quite a while and um, I've always struggled to kind of trust myself and trust my ability. I'm very, I'm very hard on myself. Um, and we did have some, you know, staff at the beginning, which, you know, in hindsight taught me a lot of valuable lessons of, you know, not trusting everybody and, you know, standing your ground. But, um, 
yeah, reflecting back on that, it, it's really pushed us forward in terms of um, put, placing the right people around us and, and um, yeah, I think, I think um, it was hard at the beginning, but, I, again, I wouldn't change it now. Um, yeah. You mentioned uh, a second venue on the horizon. What, what are the plans? Yeah, so we have a, the UB here, which has multiple spaces, but all those spaces are uh, linked with a beautiful courtyard. So we are um, we do struggle to to host over sixty guests here at the UB, and we did find a real gap in the market for um, large spaces in Orange to be able to host, you know, 100, 200 people. Um, and our team that we currently have, you know. Our beverage manager, Bon, who I actually worked with at uh, Rockpool, he he joined the Country Life. Um, he is incredible at um, running events, large scale, and, and we've done a few off-sites and we really saw the opportunity um, to to take on something larger and, and it was more just conversations about maybe we do some off-sites, um, but there's an old venue called Turner's. Um, it's a, a large scale venue. It hosts, it has three different spaces and the largest space holds 450 people. Um, so we did see a, a gap in the market and we just sent an email and a couple of weeks later we'd, we'd sign the lease for this, this new venue. And I think it's just more a great opportunity for Orange as a region to have, to be able to host um, larger events and, you know, Dom and his team are so incredible. We all thrive in the, those larger, larger events. And we realized that we would love to be able to have the opportunity to, um, yeah, to take this on and, and bring more people to the region, but also host food events, food week events and wine week events. And, um, yeah, we just love, love how amazing our community is in terms of, um, what, what it offers for the region and, you know, beyond. You, you've mentioned Dom a couple of times, who uh, is your partner and, and the head chef as well. Uh, what's it like working together? Hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, and that's, that's putting it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, it really does come with its challenges. You know, we are very different people. Um, he's formalities, structure, getting things done far in advance. I'm creative. I'm all over the place. Um, but we, but that really works. Um, you know, we are very different people, so we see things very differently. Um, and it has, I think, really placed us in a very good position because he'll see something from one perspective and I'll see something from another perspective. And our third business partner will see it from another angle and then we will literally sit around a table and have a conversation for hours and it's always really proactive in the way we communicate and we always come to the best outcome, um, I mean, in service. Uh, it's, it's, it can get a little bit uh, heated, but we have really, we have really learnt um, over the years and, you know, obviously with age and experience, we, we have removed the emotion in that service to get the best outcome. Um, and we do try and just keep things professional and, and um, you know, people say, 
don't take work home, but you know, this is our lives and, and we really do love it. And, and, um, our staff, we all, we have a really amazing team and we all do love what we do, um, which is so incredibly lucky that we have a team like that. And we do talk about food all the, all the time and wine. And we do go down to, you know, our, you know, bar on a Tuesday that have specifically opened because nothing else in Orange has opened on a, on a Tuesday because, you know, so, and we all just, you know, hash things out and, and um, yeah, I think just over time we have realised, you know, how good of a team we are and we use our strengths and weaknesses um, and, yeah. You're doing amazing things out there in Orange with Union Bank. What, what do you love about what you do? I love that someone can come into a venue and walk away with one of the, the most memorable experience. And it doesn't have to be, you know, all fireworks and, you know, it really comes down to the, the warmth and, and, you know, the way you greet somebody, I think is so integral to, to an experience. Um, yeah. I just love hosting people and, and making pe people feel comfortable uh, within a space. We're welcoming people basically into our homes and, and if they're not feeling comfortable, then yeah, there's something wrong there, but yeah. Well, uh, Sarah, it's um, amazing what you guys are doing out there and an absolute honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Good luck with the new venue and please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.